This is an AI Group podcast. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the most significant workplace relations issues of the month, November 2021. The full members-only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au. It's in the news section under reports and policies. On that page, select Workplace Relations and you'll find this report. With me today, as usual, to discuss the key aspects of this latest report is Stephen Smith, AI Group's Head of National Workplace Relations Policy. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Tony. So we'll talk about three of the issues. There's more than that in the full report, but the three we'll focus on today are Mount Arthur case, the PHP case, religious freedom, religious discrimination, and same job, same pay proposal from the Labor Party nationally. Okay, so the first case is a a five-member full bench of the Fair Work Commission's hearing a union challenge to a BHP requirement that its employees on the Mount Arthur coal mine are vaccinated. So what's the background of that story and a reason for our involvement in that, Stephen? This is a very important case where the unions are challenging BHP's vaccination requirement on the Mount Arthur coal mine site in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales. Uh, So the Commission has decided to schedule uh, a a test case, if you like, in the sense that there's a five-member full bench looking at the issue. Uh, AI Group and uh, a few other peak councils have been invited to intervene and the, uh, the case has been heard on the 24th and the 25th of November. And as of today, the uh, decision is still reserved, but uh, it will set some important parameters around uh, vaccination mandates and uh, what uh, perhaps employers can and can't do in this uh, space. It'll certainly uh, provide some guidance. This case seems a little bit unusual in that it's not an employer uh, say with a factory saying that if you want to work in this place, you need to be vaccinated. They're saying if you want to enter this place, you need to be vaccinated. Does that change any of the requirements um, that the FWO had outlined about, you know, when you can and when you can't really order a mandate? Which sort of workplaces could? Well, as you've identified, this is really a direction that has been issued not only to employees but to contractors and suppliers, that people can't enter that workplace, in this case a coal mine, without being vaccinated. So it's not a direct uh, mandate about vaccination. It's actually a site entry requirement. The case itself is only about BHP's employees on that site, so it doesn't deal with the issues of contractors, but it will... Um, you know, set some important guidance more than likely on things like, well, what are the roles and duties and, um, you know, rights not only of employers but employees under work health and safety law in this space and what are the common rights and duties of employers and employees around uh, these sorts of issues. But some employers are struggling because they for example, see a hospital and they can understand a hospital being able to mandate their doctors and their nurses and stuff to get vaccinated because they're very close to other people and patients, whereas in a mine you may be well separated. So is there is there an argument, is that the sort of argument that is being put against the mandate, that it's not necessary or what is it, reasonable and legal? 
Yeah, well, there are a number of key aspects to this case. One is the issues around work health and safety law. And under work health and safety law, an employer has a duty to uh, protect the work health and safety of its employees and others in the workplace. And to do that, they must assess risks and control risks and uh, implement those controls. Um, and there's a concept about reasonable practicability under work health and safety law. Now, the unions are arguing, well, there are other ways to control risks like uh, rapid antigen testing and, and other mechanisms that BHP doesn't have to rely on vaccination. But BHP's argument, um, supported by all the employer interests uh, in the case, including AI Group, is that no, an employer, uh, yes, has to act reasonably, but is entitled to make a reasonable decision on what controls to implement to protect work health and safety. And the other part of the case is around industrial law, about well, what are the rights under employment laws uh, to issue a lawful and reasonable direction to employees, in this case, about work health and safety matters. So let's let's assume that the Commission comes down on the side of employers. Uh, you mentioned that it's some people are seeing it as a test case. What would be the implications for you know the rest of the economy if uh, BHP won in this instance? Well, it will be a, a decision that only relates to BHP's Mount Arthur um, operation because that's what the case is about. But given that the Commission has convened a five-member full bench, which is uh, more than the usual three-member full bench and has actively invited peak councils to make submissions, uh, it's likely that this will set some guidance about, well, what sorts of things come into play in looking at what is a lawful and reasonable direction in the context of um, you know, vaccination mandates and site entry requirements. The other very big bit of this case relates to consultation requirements and um, the unions are arguing that there wasn't sufficient consultation even though BHP went through quite a, uh, a lengthy consultation process so that will also be important uh, in a broader context. Uh, typically, typically, how long is it likely to be before we hear an outcome from that case? Um, well, when the hearings concluded on the 25th of November, the president of the commission that's heading the full bench uh, said that you know he understands the urgency of uh, handing down this decision. So the decision's expected uh, very quickly most likely within uh, the next several days. Okay, the second of the three issues we're talking about today, the Religious Discrimination Bill. On 25 November, the federal government introduced its Religious Discrimination Bill 2021. It's got political ramifications, but also ramifications for the workplace as well. So what? Um, how did the bill itself in its final form look from an employer's perspective? Did they take on some of our concerns and other employer groups' concerns? Well, this has been a very long process, the development of this bill leading up to the introduction of the bill into Parliament on the 25th of November. There were it used two to be earlier... religious, freedom, religious freedom initially, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the, the package was about religious freedoms and then there was a religious discrimination bill as part of that and 
various other measures. But the the earlier exposure drafts, AI Group and a lot of others were very concerned about, and it got a bit mixed up in the issues uh, surrounding uh, Israel Folau and the public debate about the rights to make statements of belief. Because uh, the earlier versions of the bill uh, gave a positive right to people, including employees in a workplace, to make a statement of belief. And it had to be a genuine statement of belief. And the, the bill seriously constrained the ability of employers to take action against someone that might make a statement of belief that was inconsistent with the company's codes of conduct or, you know, it might have been quite offensive to certain groups. And, you know, colloquially, those provisions became known as the Falau Clause. Uh, um, but, you know, very pleasingly, that concept has been taken out of the final version of the bill and uh, the bill now doesn't restrict employers in maintaining appropriate standards of conduct in the workplace. So it's a bill that outlaws discrimination on the basis of religion as, as is entirely appropriate, but it, it uh, is a lot more workable than the earlier versions. Uh, more workable, but there are still things in there that will be difficult for employers, are there? Well, we need to have a close look at this latest draft as part of the parliamentary inquiry that is coming up. But it, the, the thing that we were most concerned about in the bill has been removed. There, there are some other provisions around how this anti-discrimination law interacts with others at the federal and state level that needs some very careful thought. But you know, after a lot of hard work, the government um, has decided that the earlier versions of this bill uh, were not appropriate, which uh, we worked very hard to achieve. So it's now going to be referred to a parliamentary inquiry and further dealt with in February next year on the very few sitting days of the, the final sitting of this parliament into the budget and the election. So potentially we won't see it this side of the election, but uh, it all depends on the parliamentary vote. Yes. Okay. Now, the third item and final item today is the Australian Labor Party's Fair Work Amendment, Same Jobs, Same Pay Bill. This was introduced from opposition into the federal parliament as a private member's bill. It would require labour hire firms to provide pay and conditions to their employees that are at least as favourable as those paid by client businesses to their own employees. So uh, what's the view of that bill Steve? This proposal's been floating around for quite a few years. Uh, members might remember prior to the last federal election, uh, Bill Shorten announced this idea of uh, same job, same pay. And it was really just a, a broad proposal. But now the opposition's introduced a detailed bill uh, and it's got lots of problems. Like it's obviously. Um, you know, aimed in the debate around labour hire firms uh, having to pay their own employees the same as the employees of the client. But the definition of labour hire is extremely broad in the bill and will capture lots of contracting arrangements where there's a labour component. So that's, you know, one very significant problem. And this is not only about 
labor rates, it's about conditions as well. There would need to be a matching of the conditions as well as the pay rates by the provider of labor to another business. And so one of the tricky situations there is if you've if you're perhaps giving things to your staff that only you can give your staff, like an um, airline giving travel to staff, how could a labour hire company do that? Is that one of the big issues? Yes, there are lots of examples like that. Um, you know, if it's a, an airline, uh, often airlines give their employees access to very cheap airfares, but how could a labour hire provider uh, match that um, without it being enormously costly. Um, you know, a major retailer may give its employees access to significant discounts on groceries or, uh, um, you know, a fast food company might give its employees access to uh, fast food for uh, very reasonable prices. So there are a lot of things that uh, a company is able to offer its own employees that are labour hire provider or other contractor can't hope to match because uh, they're not in the business of providing those uh, products or services. Okay, well, that's a, that's a bill from opposition, so we'll need to wait to the outcome of the next federal election to see where that one goes, I think. So I might wrap it up there. Um, thanks a lot for that, Stephen Smith from AI Group, and our members-only report is available at the AI Group website at aigroup.com.au. It's in the news section under reports and policies. That's all for now. Thanks a lot, Steve. See you next time.